Welcome to Less Stupid with Kroz K and Danny, creators of the animated short Trash Planet. We welcome you into a podcast episode that was a little bit interrupted by a couple of phone calls and technical issues. We apologize, but we think you will enjoy the conversation nonetheless. Welcome everybody to Less Stupid with Thomas. (laughs) With Thomas. Yep. Welcome everybody to Less Stupid with Thomas Huda. It's a show that's completely uncut, uncensored, and unsure why I'm sitting next to this person and he's making me laugh so much. Oh, golly goodness. You ain't even let me get a word in. Introduce yourself. My name is Crosby Neal um, from Eugene, Oregon. Hey. I've made some music and with people and they like it and I like it too. <laughs> shut up. No, I was and listening you know, to that Pete Holmes podcast shut up. today. <laughs> it's just that motherfucker laughs so much. It adds to the show. I guess. <laughs> hey, welcome to the Pete Holmes podcast. Cause it's so funny. You're gonna fucking laugh at everything. <laughs> Every single thing you hear. In the Back realm to you, of Thomas. podcast. Now, I have known you for quite a long time. For people True. who have known me as Gradient, those people have also known you as Odar or Odar Beats. Yep. You make some of the dopest beats on this side of the Mississippi or the Columbia or the Willamette. Arguable. I'll argue it any goddamn day, my friend. That's a weird thing to say, but okay, <laughs> proceed. <laughs> and, God, later I'm going to be like, why was I so giggly that episode? Get with it, Chuckles. What do you want? <laughs> the point is, uh, you were the first guest on Sammy Warmhand's Take 92 podcast. Yes. Talked about Motown and other topics like Motown and how good it is. And yes. like the musical and sonic quality of the recordings made during the era of Motown. So, yeah, yeah what kind of things have influenced you uh, musically? Would you list Motown as one of them? I don't want to lean on it, but Motown? <laughs> like I don't want to again like it it's a pretty heavy influence of Motown but the Motor City baby it really comes from some of the earliest memories that I make as a person were and it was a lot of the music I was exposed to was Motown it was on an oldies radio station in California where I lived in Hemet with you know, my mom, my dad, my brother. And, uh, for some reason, the oldie stations were the ones that stuck. Cause then when we moved right. to Oregon, I was five and those oldie stations were still playing those same things. And yeah, it's funny because hip hop led me back to it 20 some years later sure. when I wanted to learn how to make beats and, uh, web, uh, AKA, Gabe Morley. Yeah, Gabe Morley. Former drummer drummer of Yob. Yeah. Dude's bananas and making beats. And uh when it it was so interesting because talking to him at work, he just kept coming back to well, you gotta sample what you know. Like the things that make you Right. For so, me it would be the the music in Pokemon Silver when you get on the bicycle and it goes 
Dun, 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 dun. And that, I Dude, think people so can hear that energy in my rap music. No relevance to that. Because <laughs> I'm old, Thomas. Pokemon was beyond me. <laughs> like when Pokemon became I mean, a I'm, thing. I'm 26. I, I still love Pokemon. You're only 26? Dude, yeah. that's great news, actually. Like, yeah. I thought you were older. That's great. <laughs> oh, Dude, it's the you beard have... I'm doing for my movie role. Dude, you you have great years ahead of you. That's the thing. I was just like, great, dude. You haven't hit 30s yet. I thought you were at least 27 or 28 based on your drive. Oh. And just your It was only 120 your miles output here. and things that you do. So that's uh It's fantastic news. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah, no, my feeling is by the time I'm 28 or 29, all that energy is just going to be gone. <laughs> well, no, dude, you're running for mayor, motherfucker. Yes, like, I am. Darn right. Well, okay. Tom Sayer is in terms of running vigor, for mayor. There, don't there are fucking sweat it. If you if look you at if you look don't at vote two for of him, the front running candidates I will for mayor, personally find you and fucking wreck your life. Wow, that's not a message I endorse. <laughs> Y'all on Spotify and Apple need to listen to this on YouTube because wreck your life. This guy's deadpan look into an iPhone that is sitting on a suitcase. Please note, not no even blinking. Like, not the phone is resting on a suitcase that we're using. We're using the phone to film it, and this is not even like a main like fifty pound suitcase. This is like a roller bag suitcase you would throw up into the zero blinking overhead. <laughs> I'm fucking crazy. If you don't even know, crazy. Oh, I guess Crosby. a blink. I guess a blink counts as. As a Come blinking. on down okay. to Crazy Crosby's a beat wink. selection. Sorry. We got beats from Motown. We got the East Coast, the, the, I don't know, Plinky Nas beats. We got the G-Funk two-pack beats. I do have to say, though, like in terms of beat making, the East Coast stuff is just more influential. I, I was about Straight to say up. better. <laughs> There's Ooh. just something about it. Where they're sampling from. Let's do this. Let's be the two white guys in Portland who are going to talk about West Coast versus East Coast influence Ding. in hip hop. <laughs> no, I'm into it. We just have to. Hi, I'm Crosby Neal, and I'm terrible. <laughs> no, it's okay to have opinions. I just wanted to preface it. No, Let's why begin. would why why would you say that? Because I mean, come on. Kendrick is like often considered. He, he won a freaking Pulitzer Prize, and he he's born directly out of the. Compton. Compton freaking scene and style. Yeah. And there's something that I think is often undersold about Kendrick Lamar, uh, specifically with um, his producer. Uh, Mm. Oh, my God. How can I forget this? Oh, Derek Ali. Okay. Derek Mixed by Ali is his uh, alias. Dude just understands it. If you listen to TDE mixes mm. overall, you can tell that he has his hand in it, and it's great. They've got like a crispness to them. Yes, but it's not too crisp. It's not too digital. It's right. not too analog. It's not too much of anything. And I think that's the, to me as a producer, infuriatingly like inspirational. Right thing about it is uh, like uh my friend george uh gets this because he went to uh audio engineering school in la 
And that was one of those things that we Which you taught on. for a little bit, right? Later? No, I got to assist in okay. a class. Like I, And it was very, very cool because you got to see a different type of class. Got the class I was just trying I to big to, up you. Cause that's you know that's very sweet. But anyway, your friend uh, Derek. Smooches. Um, but yeah, like uh, <laughs> when I was doing assisting, it was different because you saw, uh, I saw a completely different group of people and music makers. Versus when I was going through it, I, I, I saw a diversity of indie music makers, uh, electronic music makers, and then like uh, acoustic and folk and hip hop, like all these different things. When I assisted, everyone was a laptop beat maker. Right. They all used FL Studio. Right. or And some of the stuff they would come up with is amazing. Like mm. I, I can't. It was it was great. That was wow. the thing. And it was so fun to be a part of that because then when they had to record things and make things in real time, mm. they still created just some of the greatest stuff. Like wow. it, it was it was inspirational because I got to be like uh the example of like, you know, uh Mel Stark, uh, Melissa Stark, uh out of Eugene. Uh she teaches at L C C uh she also was a recording artist and she's also an engineer mm -hmm. a wonderful engineer uh she was the person who let me be her uh right hand person nice and it was so much fun but at the same time i got to learn more as i was getting to demonstrate things so it was like hey we're gonna do a one mic setup on drums nice cool now we're gonna do two now we're gonna do three and then you just go on to like we're gonna do a nine mic setup yeah how is that? Neil Pert, busy. And just start, like, all I'm doing is demonstrating, you know, on drums. Right. Like, here's a break beat or something like that. But it was so influential just to get to have that experience. It was wonderful. That's very cool. When I think about audio engineering, especially now in the SoundCloud era, man, like, yes. like how do you teach what is objectively right? You know, how do you teach or how do you teach the art of engineering audio well while also being like, you know, a lot of these things in terms of making like a final mix sound True. done, sound polished, sound finished. Like, how do you balance the fact that, you know, some of those things are subjective and there's like obviously things that any anyone behind the board should know? Sure. Well, I think there's a thing that SoundCloud did that a lot of people don't acknowledge, which was it provided a platform for people to create and it didn't matter the quality of it yeah so to me that's very punk rock that is i don't care how this necessarily looks or is presented but this is what i made that's how i think when certain people got popular through soundcloud that it was apparent because the things that they did were just these genuine things they just put out on this platform right but went fucking <laughs> platinum dude you kind of get it you you just go <laughs> mo bamba was like the biggest song of 2018 do you know what i'm talking about i actually don't okay and i'm, uh, I'm okay with that later I, I, yeah great it's because i i, I want to learn it was about all freestyled it was a guy uh his friend day trip made the beat called him up sheck west shows up to his apartment in harlem i think sheck west is from harlem and uh, they fucking laid the track in one take. They even had a, a laptop where the laptop was running so poorly 
that sometimes it would freeze the DAW. And so it. they were record the the take that was one of the biggest rap songs of 2018. Yeah. Straight up, the the beat drops out and you yeah. hit, and during the main fucking vocal track he goes, oh fuck, shit, and then the beat comes back in yeah. and he fucking goes hard back you into it. You just use that. And shit. It just they use that take. Yes, and they just were like, oh, the beat dropped out. Well, the beat just drops out that part of the song now, and he used it to go. Because you whole can recover flow. if you've if you've been hitting Command S, yeah. <laughs> like you can. <laughs> You can make yes. sure, like, I like that because that to me is genuinely musical. Yeah. You use that moment to yeah. just work with it and continue on. Like, writing certain things that I hear in my head and then I try and execute them, I can tell in certain areas that I'm like, I can see what I want to do, but it's not necessarily what I'm able to do right. at, this, at this moment. And that's okay. Well, uh, just to jump off of you, you had a great phrase there, genuinely musical. And when I think of that, I, I kind of think about like some people uh, like our friend Sam, he doesn't really, he wouldn't ever want to record like programmed drums. Uh, I mean, like if, a, you know, aren't there like. To a degree, because uh, I mean, he uses plugins that help enhance the drums that he records. So yeah, I, think I mean it, like drum kits. Yes. Um. I, maybe I'm getting. I don't want to misquote him, no, uh, no, no. but uh, and misrepresent because he makes hip hop. So obviously that yeah. he makes beats on his computer. But like, yeah, um, you know, what do you think about his take? Is generally I think like you know if you have a, a punk band and they're making this this fast grinding nasty punk music, but then you know aren't there like computer programs where you do all the drum hits and then you I don't know you quantize them to make sure every every quarter note is like right on and you t- you act or you swap make sure things swap out the like the kick drum with like a different kick sure well i think the thing with sam is that he doesn't rely on it and right. that's the thing that is admirable and actually i think more artistic is that he only uses those things to en- en- enhance and i think he knows that he wants to enhance the recording that he made he doesn't want to change it or all alter it going man that kick sucks i want to want to replace it with this dw blah 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 he doesn't do that Mm -hmm. and so he knows better (laughs) (laughs) is the thing like he knows that there's an integrity to the music that you need to adhere to and for him as a creator and a creator of a lot of content honestly tons of content did he did he surpass a thousand albums i mean sorry a hundred albums I, I don't think, know I think, is I the thing. He, yeah. like, <laughs> I don't know. But yeah. like it would not surprise me is the thing because right. he has an uncompromisable drive. Right. And not just that, his vision is not zero focus into one thing. That's mm-hmm. why like when he started doing hip hop, I was obviously one of his friends who was like, what? But then as mm-hmm. soon as I saw him at Samurai Duck, I went, no, I get it. Uh, okay. You should make a live band and I should be in it. Yeah. Like that's that's how I felt. I was like, I'm inspired. Samurai I'm- Duck and John Henry's are two of the places I really wish I could have gone to. Man, they no longer there were some times like the first time hey, I got part to of what I'm doing is we're trying to dive into Eugene history, man. Well, like business let's dive like into that, John but- Henry's like I remember a show playing with Isid, Sadistic, Carnage. Damn. And us and Damn. maybe one other person stacked. And it fucking 
it was something like that right. that's all i can say it was really something because i remember and like i'm sorry on a drunk level <laughs> i got to turn in one drink ticket for a 32 ounce miller brother Ooh. what oh Ooh. i got a couple but i remember just like <laughs> hanging out on the side of the stage after playing and being like man i can't believe i'm part of this bill right Absolutely. I'm so glad that Sam let me in his group and we got to do our thing. Right. But Carnage You were a part it. of the illusionists. Yes, the illusionists. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, which is something I'll always be proud Honestly, of. Honestly, I never I wouldn't have started rapping as soon in life as I did if not for that band. And I think Sam knows that. Um If you don't know by now, Sam, he just said it. <laughs> That's huge. I'm I'm a competitive dude also. I'm a competitive person. Um, and I can like, tell, but in my goal a very to, good way. I hope so. I hope so. Yeah, you don't the, never the come off as an asshole. The higher you get up into the into the ranks of it, I think it's harder to preserve your human decent decency and warmth. But I don't know. I, I I think if you can stand by the things you say and the things you do, and but I want to be like I want to be successful in most of the shit I do. I don't think I'm gonna be successful in all the things I do. But um, like, I'm kind of a sky's the limit person. Like, I'll, cool. I, I'm like, I, I, there's a Childish Gambino lyric where he says, "I'm not trying to do Drake numbers. I'm just trying to do my best." And I'm like, "Hey, I want to do both." I, I look. The at problem Dr- with that is Childish Gambino's real good. <laughs> yeah, like he's better. That's than, the better problem. Than but he doesn't have to have try you, and be Drake because he is that good. Like, but. If you've Donald heard his Glover Poindexter albums done, done, or done, his done, I Am done. Not a Rapper early, early, like 2006, 2007 shit. Sure. Motherfucker's not that good. So I don't agree with that. Like e- well, even his early. Yes. I'm sorry. Oh, even gosh. Donald Glover's early shit. Somebody is calling me and I got to learn not to. I love it. <sighs> ding, 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 I hope that we didn't lose video ding, ding, for that. Ding. What? Did we lose that? Whole, we, we still have that whole thing, right? Okay, good. Sick. Okay, I got to turn the di- do not disturb on. Oh, I don't like editing these conversations. So, no, man, because it so, sucks. So say something interesting for like 30 seconds while I do this. Okay. You're not saying anything. Thomas is an interesting man. And sometimes <laughs> when he says stuff to me and I see it on Twitter, I get upset. <laughs> and when he said the thing about the best white rapper what, what was the thing? The <laughs> best rap song by a white rapper was Beck Loser. <laughs> no, by Let's a, talk about by a white that. non-rapper. <laughs> That's what I said. Oh, by non-rapper. It's the, okay. ra- the best rap song by a white non-rapper. Well, that's it's, misleading and also... It's Loser yes, by I, Beck. Come on. I, it's not that Blondie song. I can't... What Blondie song? She was rapping in like the 70s. Jesus Christ. <laughs> got a music video i didn't know that like, that makes me definitely lose stock in blondie <laughs> it's like uh, sometimes thought of as the the first like charting rap song <laughs> it's called the i sort of god if you say it's like heart of glass i'm gonna be like well, that's, yeah no no that's a disco song right but hey genre is a weird thing we're in yeah. a new decade dude think about how many Man, we're in a different place how many terms are going to, to be we're in a proto period for, for genres that are going to emerge in like this decade, you know? Yes. And I'm actually excited about that. Yeah. 
I feel like as a musician, you should always be excited for what the future is going to be, even right. if you're not there. Uh, and I, I feel like you have to seek it out. Sometimes it's not like, uh, what is happening? For me personally, I, I don't know, but it sounds like a great reason to interrupt our fucking conversation. Hey friends, are you enjoying the show? Would you enjoy it more if you had a little less money? Probably not. But at patreon.com slash you too could give a little more money to one of the many people that are always trying to get it from you. Support the podcast, patreon.com slash H-I-U-R-A. We're real now. I'm All right, we're, boy. we're back and we really hope that uh, none of my supervisors call me telling me that I was supposed to come into work tonight. <laughs> hey. Here's what happened. I switched with somebody like a week ago. Okay. Forgot. And that's what happened. <laughs> oh. Yeah. But I don't know how much sympathy to give you because I don't understand the situation fully. Right. So. Well, I've got two jobs and I have the beautiful liberty as a human being of knowing I don't need either of those jobs. Sick. So now I feel nothing. Good. <laughs> Right. Hi, Bagel. We this have, is Bagel. She's been a real good sport. I don't know if she can be seen at all on the camera. Doesn't matter. The flowers in the way. But so, what breed is Bagel? Bagel is a beagle and a uh, dachshund. Okay, right on. Right. Oh, and they just put this wonderful little little. I love it. Like, what do you want to call it? What is this? Do you think Beagle prefers West Coast or East Coast hip hop? If she's not an idiot, East Coast hip hop. Ooh. Shots fired. No, there's just something about East Coast right. hip hop, and I think it just comes from the samples. Like, if mm. I were to dive into it, mm. like, as a person who's like, how do you come up with these samples? DJ Premier, RZA all these people that are based on the East coast, it's they're exposed to something else. Right. We're out on the West. We're exposed to something else. Like people often go right to Dr. Dre and mm. I honestly don't have a better reference. Mm. I, I don't. And I'm not going to sit here and be like, Oh yeah, <laughs> well you could look at, uh, but no, it's Dr. Dre is looked at as the dude who went, well, West coast is doing this. Right. Melodic. It had more melody. Right. Fatter bass lines. And this more something that was different than the chopped and screwed East Coast thing. Right. I prefer the East Coast thing. To me. There's something about it. DJ Premier. The California stuff sounds sunny. It sounds glittery. I think part of the reason that the musical. I like that. Glittery. Yeah. 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 I think part of the reason. Uh, is is has a lot to do with geography. Like if you look at New York, everybody's packed in. It's clumped. It's noisy as shit. Yep. And you Tension. know, LP was talking with Talib Kweli on. Uh, they did like a cool episode thing. Uh, Ooh, on Talib Kweli's. Yeah, oh, on his yeah. show on Uprocks. It's fucking awesome. Um, yep. and you know he was you know he's LP is like basically trying to do bomb squad stuff you know nowadays it's like very influenced by that noisy intense frenetic energy whereas whereas california it's like you're literally laden, leaning back in your car driving 
again, very melody driven, something very uh, soothing while having like this nice beat over it where, yeah, like the tension that you get from something where people are in a bigger city. And uh, I was explaining this the other day to a coworker, Joshua Barber, who shout out is an awesome dude to talk about with in terms of music. Cause like, so run the jewels, like he got into run the jewels and I was like, great. And there was something he was like, man, there's something about it. That's like kind of rock and roll. And I was like, yeah, sure. It's, it's the dissonance, right? LP gravitates toward this dissonance, like a uh, banana clipper. Yes. Is one of my favorite rtj beats it's fat oh it's not just that i mean just <laughs> it's this descending get the fuck out dude it's gonna be good but <laughs> then you have the LP and African killer mike i invented that ele- yeah get Whoa. the fuck out of here like it's just good it's really good and, like if you don't like it dm me I actually think if you if you because I really am obsessed with the third RTJ, they're all great. That's the one I the, actually have the least impact on. Well, I don't know what it is about it. I actually think it was a place in my life that I was at when it came out, mm-hmm. and it just hooked me in. But yeah. by then, all the shit they make is good. Like all the I, shit I they make is really I good. Won't argue with that. Like I like all the shit they make. I remember when RTJ one came out because. Mm-hmm. A tweet from Idea or no uh, uh, Abilities. I'm sorry, mm. DJ Abilities. Right, and I was like, "What is that?" And then it got retweeted by all these other people I follow. And I went, "Okay," right. and I followed the link, and it was just a link to RTJ, like a zip file or whatever. Yeah, yep. that's all it was. Yeah, and I was blown away. I remember listening in my little studio in Springfield, yeah. Oregon, where you know I like finally treated the room and everything. Sure. I've been there. Such fucking fat 808s. Yes. Like great kicks, amazing snares, and just that opening like. Yeah. Run, 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 run. (laughs) Jesus. Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I actually think. um, I still love it. And I still have that original version and the remastered version, but I like the original. There's something neat and interesting about hearing the original cut that LP did in his studio with Killer Mike. I feel that, man. Well, I wouldn't take away or change anything about the first one, but I'll say this. If you listen to two and three, if you listen to those two and then go back to one and you listen to the vocals, the vocals are just, are, are, they're not as like intense and confident sounding on one. They still are. Yeah. They still are because it's run the jewels. Sure, but it was like almost like you could feel the authenticity of them jumping in on there on that first project, discovering that it was a freaking minefield, sure, a, a gold mine. I just mixed metaphors. Who cares? And, and <laughs> but then by the time they're on the second one, they're like, okay, yeah, we got Zach De La Roca on this thing. Close your eyes and count to fuck. So that's like, the thing, like Jeopardy. I'm gonna bang this the fuck out. It's like. Yeah, these guys who are already like the baddest dudes, having that extra confidence of like, 
maybe being at a point in their career that they never even gotten to before they've met each well, other. Well, so following them on social media when they went and made RTJ RTJ two, they were doing shrooms and <laughs> shit out in this awesome studio in New okay. York, but it was kind of in the woods. Mm. Uh. And just getting to read their kind of thing, their posts were just interesting. Right. Because you could tell they liked being around each other. Oh, yeah. Killer Mike, I remember reading uh, a few other tweets when he was just like tweeting about how appreciative he was of LP. And he was like, Mm. I remember begging LP to fucking make a beat for me. And it (laughs) wasn't like begging, but he was just like, you know, knocking at his door. Hey, man, I... I want to work with you. I love this right. stuff. Right. And it was just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, man, like I want this to happen. And then eventually when he got his label mm. to do rap music, yep. which I love With that. Ronald Reagan on it. Dude. And other Rap classics. music to me is RTJ the prequel. Because it is, yeah. you listen to it and it sounds so good. Yeah. Sounds yeah. <laughs> so good. Yeah. You're like, this is RTJ I think prequel. it's better than Cancer for Cure. Dude. Cancer for Cures. Cancer for Cures is an amazing album. Yes, I know. I wouldn't take away anything from it. But yeah. rap music, like right out of the <laughs> gate, god <laughs> damn, like the <laughs> first track is amazing. Right. You've got Ti, you got Bun B. Good. Yes. God. Like, yes. It's an amazing song, but. Untitled, that second track. Mm. Ooh, that's an RTJ fucking song. Yeah, yeah, like, and I love it. Yes. Ooh. Yeah. And Good he actually shit. he actually uses the same line in that that he does in RTJ one in mm. Banana Clipper. It's the uh, you are witnessing elegance in the uh, mm. in the form of a black elephant. Oh right, he right, does right. That same thing in. I move uh, with the elegance of an African elephant. elephant. <laughs> I presented the evidence eloquent as a president. He's the only person I've ever been like. I'm totally so fine with you reasoning that line because it's so good. I would also say eloquent as a president. Uh, if you were to nominate so anyone from the hip hop community to be an elected office, that's the guy Killer you Mike. want. Yeah, I would Fuck, like Killer Mike. I mean, I like Kanye West, but but hell no. Like that's interesting. I have <laughs> so many opinions about Kanye West because about him as an artist, I would love to talk him about as him. a person. But like, yeah, if I was gonna elect someone from the hip hop community, well, yeah, there's a couple of people actually. If mm. I was gonna elect a couple of people from the hip hop community for office, it would be Killer Mike or Talib Kweli. Right. Fuck yeah. I'm sorry. Like Talib Kweli has this presence on twitter where like he's been painted as this person who will always like fire back and so it's like he's this explosive character Mm. there's not that he will not he will not back down to anyone talking anything that is inaccurate Mm. because that's the thing you can go research any of his tweets and you're just like well yeah he got you. <laughs> I feel like he's one of those friends, those old friends with Kanye who helps kind of keep him in line. I hope. <laughs> I don't like, know. Well, like sometimes Kanye will post like okay. tweets with John Legend and John Legend's like, bro, you know, you know, you know. Well, you need to here's eat. the thing. I don't know what to say about Kanye at this point. But right. what do you think about his latest gospel album? 
I think it's freaking beautiful. I think that it's I agree. better than a few of his. For for what I just enjoy listening to, I I would take that over 808s, which is a very influential album. That's a bold claim, but mm-hmm. keep going. I would take it over Yay. Wow, that's a bold claim, but keep going. Um, and that's probably where the list stops. I've okay. never been a huge fan of Graduation either. I that know offends a- <laughs> me, but keep going. <laughs> right. So I really, really like the music on Jesus is King. I really like. It's very good. Like I, I cannot deny it. That's the thing. I <laughs> yes. listened to it front to back, and I went, I cannot deny this. And the way I mean, dude, it hits you from note one on every hour right off the top with boom this is not going to be the rap album that <laughs> that someone would expect from a Kanye West project no but <laughs> you know what he did is he still invoked patterns from graduation mm. from dropout mm. and that to me makes me feel sad for you because you didn't catch that it's oh. beautiful like when he does do his rap shit and it's still about Jesus, that's the thing is yeah. I can remove myself as a person who is not religious and say, you still made a, you still made a gospel album. Not just that, like, again, like say you made yeah. a gospel album. That makes me sound like an asshole. You made a great gospel album. Like he yeah. did. It's a gospel album and it's good. And you can I hate think it, it if went, you want. But I think it broke the record of going number one on five billboard charts. It was on, on 200. And if it was that's on rap. not planned, come. It was on gospel. On. It was on, I think, like R&B. Mm-hmm. And then one other one, I think. Um, and I think dude, he planned that. Like 100%. Come on. Do you know like, that, that track, Everything We Need, on that? Yes. We got everything we need. Just the the way he makes the vocal sound on that fucking album, that album just top to bottom, are just beautiful. It, I totally agree. That's the thing. Like, I mean, Ultra I, Light Beam is one of my favorite Kanye songs. And this, in a way, this is like Ultra Light Beam, the album. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Deal with it. Yeah, Deal I'm with dealing it. with it. I'm having a lot of feelings about it, but I'm dealing with it. I actually think when I listen now to the life of Pablo, maybe I'm just nostalgic for 2016, but which no, I don't know why anyone would be. That was a terrible, weird year. In our not history. a great year. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to say like personally, not a great year. Oh, uh, life of Pablo. When it came out, I remember, uh, I think it was coming to me. Amazing. Really? Yeah. So here's the thing. I feel like maybe I missed that boat because when I listened to it, I went, okay, I hear a lot of things. Your production you're trying some stuff that is different, but still consistent with Kanye, mm. but it's not my favorite. Right. And I was okay with that, but I also felt let down because I was like, I want to feel good about this album, but I don't at all. Hmm. Yeah. We had different experiences with it for sure, <laughs> man. That's what I mean. That so father like stretch my hands track. Ah, oh, man, this is like, I I think that some of the sampling on that is like better than Watch the Throne sampling and Watch the Throne has so some amazing watch samples the throne, on it. Watch your mouth, because <laughs> Watch the Throne. Oh, we can talk about Watch the Throne. Put on, put on Otis. Okay, and then right after it, put on Father Stretch My Hands. They're not the, the same first track. one. I'm I know, sorry, but because Jay's just... not involved, so you can't just throw something out there like that. Jay's not involved. <laughs> 
Okay, I'm getting upset. I'm talking about the beats. Jay is never that involved in the beats. He just waits but until Swizz or Timbaland brother. shows him something. Ooh, have you have that. you seen the video of Timbaland showing him dirt off your shoulder? Jay Z just instantly starts dancing. Yes. Yeah. So obviously. Simple. So great. It's such a good beat. Yeah. But it's also not perfect, and I actually really like that about that beat. Mm. It's very made with. A fucking what is it? A cork triton and well, of course, yes. Some other stuff that he had going on, like that's it. Like you watch him do it on a triton. Hmm. Shit's not rocket science. Yeah, I don't know gear. It's that, that well. the fact. Oh. <laughs> I've wanted to st- wanted to start a gear fanatic podcast because yeah, I love gear. Because it's, I like the why behind why does it sound this way? Like, why does it sound this way that I'm talking through this microphone versus the microphone you're talking through? Mm. I like that stuff. Yeah. It's great. It's just interesting. Yeah. But anyway, uh, well, so this we've talked about a lot a of stuff. Well, Dalmatian and a shark on it, and so that's why I gave it to you. I know. In And uh, these are vicious, <laughs> and so are these. And uh, I'm terrified of these, not so much of these. <laughs> so uh that's the thing right and uh for anybody at home who couldn't see i pointed to the dalmatian and i'm not afraid uh but a great white if i saw it in the ocean i would die of a heart attack hopefully before mm. it ate me mm. so there's that do you have any musical predictions for this new decade we're in because i have two musical predictions and i want to see how you respond to them One, i would actually i would actually like you to just start yeah. okay one is uh, the the simple way to put it is there's going to be more white rappers, but the but what I really want to say is there's going to be more white people screaming into 808s, screaming over 808s, like emo kind of of vocal delivery over like blown out trap influenced mm-hmm. instrumentals. I've I told you that's going to happen more. And and okay, the second one. I've heard that as a trend, so right. I, I understand where you're coming from. So I feel like that's going to blossom more and more. Okay. Um, And the second one is more rock bands that are like majority people of color and more of them being like prominent uh, in terms of like picking up guitars and bass guitars and making what, what we would think of as rock music. Sure. Not did you see the billboard list of the 10 biggest rock album rock songs of the decade? I haven't. Okay. Well, it's three or four imagine dragons tracks. Oh no, it's I did see this. 21 pilots a- tracks. Oh yeah. <laughs> I thought it was just a meme, but no. Jesus Christ. It's real. You have to know imagine dragons is like my kryptonite. I think they're <laughs> one of the worst things to happen to music. Yeah. For a long time. And I, I, I can't even pick out a band in the 80s or 90s that I would compare to them, or even in the early 2000s. Imagine Dragons, I hate you so much. <laughs> it's <laughs> like I've had to sit and think about it. That's Here's why like, I, I'm okay I've with laughing at your hatred. I'm okay with laughing at it. your hatred of this band. Because there's a certain point you get to in the corporate world, uh, in any field, whether it's music or any inter- so. entertainment, those people aren't people anymore. <laughs> Imagine Dragons is just, it's just like a, a corporate iconography of rock that gets thrown into our face. Did you know there was a it's not, an, there's an article nothing human written? about it? 
Did you know there's an article written about how the lead singer's son was getting bullied at school because he's in Imagine Dragons? And that, I, don't make me sad like that. I didn't I, feel bad. I was like, <laughs> make less shit music. Stop. Have you ever heard of compassion fatigue? You don't no. have to feel bad. I feel, <laughs> I feel bad. Because that's a kid, and you've now you have no idea. You've got these intersections. Compassion of... fatigue is now the new like <laughs> vernacular. I've just mm. <laughs> like I've just you've absorbed it into your soul. Yes, it's just part of me now. There and you I go. feel great. Well, yeah, you can't be expected to feel bad for everybody. Because you know what, that kid cried into, you know, a a, a bathtub that could have been made of gold. You know, solid gold. You know he was mean? like, I can't believe I'm crying into this porcelain tub filled with money. <laughs> uh, like The song Thunder plays in the bed. Do you know that song? Thunder. <laughs> so let's talk about that for just a quick second because I have so many opinions on it. So let's break down the lyrics. Just a young gun no, no, no. with a quick fuse. No, no, no. Let's just break down the, the way that that song's structured. Not great. Get to the hook within four measures. <laughs> when you get to the thing and it's thunder. <laughs> you should laugh because it's so humiliating. <laughs> it hurts me inside as a content creator of things. What is created. that song about? I don't know. That's the thing. When they go thunder. I'm not joking. It's uh, painful. So I get you're trying to do what's... What about when the... No, no, no. <laughs> there's an instrumental bridge. And there's no, like no, a no. vocoder guitar solo. It goes... That's less bad than the idea of... That's less bad than when you're just trying to work in a sample because that is what is compatible with what the industry is selling i just like the drums too the really big fat drums they're super (laughs) self-important hey that sells it like let's let's not it's true let's let's be honest those drums sell it i mean because that's musical and then when he says stuff it sucks and then when they do that thunder (laughs) why does it make me laugh every time because it's so humiliating <laughs> that you can't believe a group would go, yep, signed <laughs> off on it. It's great. I love it. Because every time I hear it, like, like it's it's a running joke at my work how much I hate Imagine Dragons. It's not a joke. Like, it's a running joke how much it's not a joke. How much it, like, physically pains me to hear the music. I'm like... I just think it's if like you've made actual kryptonite, if you've made one song with the guitar in it, ever, and that becomes a hit, you're now a rock band. It doesn't matter what music they play and make in this coming this decade we're in now. Thunder, they're, they're rock, band. they're a rock band, dude. You got to deal with it. Makes me want to punch myself. It's like in the Snoop face. Snoop Lion was never considered a Get real reggae artist. Get the fuck out of here. I'm sorry. Did you listen to the Snoop Lion album? Hey, I listened to like two tracks. That's not enough. <laughs> I listened to front to back while smoking hella weed, and I'll mm-hmm. be honest, it was great. 
gosh. I realize I remember... now that is biased. You want to hear about when I first got high? Sure. Okay. Hit me. <laughs> this was after high school. Okay. I, like, like 19, I, 18, 22. When 2012. Okay, just uh, tell me what age you are. I oh, don't okay, know. Sorry. Oh, oh, what? Oh, I thought jesus christ um i would i got very confused there i thought you were thinking of like was this 1918 in 2012 19, 19, how old were you 2018 i was i had just graduated from high school you, you know you. how old people are when that happens yes so, and this girl megan uh and i were hanging out and megan. we smoked m- marijuana and i remember I wanting want hear any music i wanted like Okay, I didn't feel that much from the first time. Okay. But, like, then I smoked a lot, and so I felt some stuff. Not great. And I wanted the music that we were listening to to be slower music. That was a feeling I had. Like you wanted to take the music you heard and slow down? Or <laughs> well, like... I wanted us to be listening to slower music, and then they put on some slower music. Uh-huh. Like some... Uh, uh, what was that? It's not. It wasn't Blue She's Tech. It was... Um, uh, Tyco, T Y C H O. Yeah, they put on Tyco, Tyco, and even that I wanted to be slower and more mellow. Um, but I love Tyco. Th- then th- several times after that, when I would get high during that gap year before college, which was great, mostly I would just watch SpongeBob with my girlfriend who sold cannabis, and Sick. we just you know had a free supply of uh, the, uh, SpongeBob and cannabis. Yeah, and Family sounds guy, great, and occasionally Mortal Kombat, but I didn't like it because it was too violent. Um, <laughs> we'll unpack that later. I'm still a child. I get um, it. I love it. Yeah, and uh, I just remember like all those times when I would get super high, like probably higher than I feel like I can I can get now, in a way. Oh wow. Uh, yeah, and that means you haven't been that high before. <laughs> but um, I would just always want to listen to songs about smoking weed. If I was high, I was like, I want to hear about music. Like, do you, do you ever get do you ever do you ever get um, a certain kind of high where it's like you want everything to be exactly how you want it to be? Like, you know, like you become a little bit extra anal about like, um, ooh, like I could be uh, let's 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 dim the lights in here and put on like. Uh, Al Green's Let's Stay Together. And, you know, like, that's, that's I how I get. I get really in my head and I want, th- it's like OCD-esque. Well, to me, that sounds selfish. So, yes. no, I don't. <laughs> but uh, there are certain times where, like, definitely, like, for me, like, if I want to listen to something and it will just be one of those things I can listen to forever mm-hmm. or anytime, it's definitely soul music. And, like, yeah, like, Let's Stay Together by Al Green. Anything by Aretha Franklin. That's that's the stuff that, like, no matter what time it is, like, especially if it's, like, say we had, like, a living room full of people. Like, right. I have no qualms about putting on Aretha Franklin and going, yeah, if you don't like this, you're an asshole. I think that's a literal truth. I know. <laughs> like that's the thing. It's like it's no. kind of a yeah. Like what a, could you be? You couldn't be a human and not like Aretha. You know those people. Uh, dude, you have to be something that's a little less than human, or at least a small fragment of the human. Aretha, probably Franklin. the rectal fragment. Yeah, I mean, 
to me, Aretha Franklin is one of those end-all, be-all, can't-believe-that-person-existed-and-made-what-they-did artists. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, unbelievable. Like, that's... It's one of those things... I, I wish I was a little more uh, up on her stuff. Uh, well, that's the thing. She has so much stuff. Right. That's the thing. The, the, the things that had impressions on me, like... As an, and she's still powerful, dude. She's still rocking it. Well, that's the thing. Like, it's because her stuff transcends generations. It's right. not just about the stuff she made. Or the stuff she made. It's about how she transcended generations. So, Wax Poetics, uh, I think, is a really important uh, magazine. And it was one of those things that I picked up on because it was about music in such depth. Mm. And then I didn't realize that it had such a, uh, vinyl, you know, component Mm -hmm. until getting to see it a little bit and reading some of their articles. It was interesting. Like, uh, when they had, you know, Aretha Franklin on the cover and they, they talked about uh, the album, I think it's 1968, I Never Loved a Man the Way I Love You. That album is still significant to me, but it's also, it's only r- truly significant to me because it was significant in music history. Mm. You hear where it kind of divided a line. Right. She was able in 1968 to help bridge the gap between gospel, soul music, yes, and just what she wanted to do. Yeah, and, and it's so incredible. And that's assert. and that's where like respect came from. That respect's on that album, right. but like do right, uh, do right, uh, woman, all night, man. Oh mm. my god, one of the best songs I think I've ever heard. She sings "Come See About Me," right? Oh yeah. Well, no, 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 no. Oh no. Uh, Come see about me. I can't remember the top of my head. It's not. It's not her. Like that might be a Supremes type thing, but it that also doesn't seem right for that group. Okay. Uh, but not the Shirelles, is it? It could be something like that. I don't know. Uh, such a fruitful era of music, but incredible yeah. era for music so like when it when it i came wish to i sampling, knew more yeah like when it it made you dive deeper right and so that was the thing i really like about sampling is you can't really stop where you first start you know what i mean like i started doing like 90s groups 80s groups 70s 60s and like as you get in like as you go sure. deeper it's thicker because you're starting to look at different groups that you knew were influential. Like if mm. you're going to sample earth, wind and fire, mm. you can sample earth, wind and fire forever because their stuff is so dynamic. Right. Melodically, rhythmically, and just the arrangement. Ugh. It's fucking stupid. Yeah. Shining Star is an amazing song. Get out. It's an amazing (laughs) song. That is just a slapper. Oh. If there ever was one. Oh, yeah. And it both thumps and knocks. Thumps, knocks, slaps. Makes me want to smang it. I don't know what that means. (laughs) 
<laughs> there was a video that uh oh no I don't need to explain. Let me smang it. Smash it in, bang it. I explained it. Okay. Moving on. So do you feel like there there are any genres of music that are just worthless? No. Alright, I figured you would say that. No, because wanted to use it as a jumping point for conversation no it's great um i could never be someone with an authority to ever say that there is a type of music that is irrelevant or uh useless or anything like that everybody has their different perspective on how they access music and how they access the inspiration they get from it so I could never really say that there was, I don't know, anything invalid about someone's approach to music. I always think, though, that if anyone asked me, you know, if there's a genre that I think is, like, the most worthless genre, mm-hmm. like Nazi skinhead punk, right? Well, there's also now like... you make me sound like a real piece of shit, because, <laughs> yeah, Thomas, that's a really terrible thing. It's a subgenre. It is. But it's a real genre. Like, I know. I mean, it and it's Elder. terrible. Yeah. There's even a hip hop version of it, which is fucking terrible. There is? Oh, no. Don't name any artists or songs here, please. I won't, but if you find it online, just try as hard as you can to not remember. I it. thought the worst, uh, the most immoral that rap got was there's a group that made a song called Christian Side Hug for this <laughs> big youth Christian like festival christian thing. give me that christian hug? side hug that christian side hug i'm a rough rider filled up with christ love give me that christian side hug give me yeah yeah sick um dude that's hard as fuck and honestly i can't but, but even it's like, like but it's uh but here's the best part is uh if someone sees you like a woman because women uh make men lust after them it's true you know? <laughs> And that's a sin. Uh, if a woman approaches you, you cannot approach forward and embrace forward. Never looking at each other, the whole full body pressing. Oh my gosh! You, it's practically fornication, Crosby. Um, you have to turn. You gotta turn to the side, pat her on the back, because Jesus never hugged nobody like that. Screaming, give me that Christian side Dude, hug. That is fucking. The reason bananas. that's immoral is because it's like literally revisionist history. This is a podcast called Less Stupid, so let's bring some intellectual, you know, veracity Woo! into this. Uh, there is no evidence to say that Jesus never hugged anybody chest to chest. So that's that's Listen here, brother. Jesus was a chest to chest hugger. He was. He chest to chest hugged to the prostitutes. He yeah, he was hanging out with chest all sorts of people. Like that happened. I'm sorry. Like, right? It's real. <laughs> Moving on. I so just... Jesus hugged prostitutes. I'm into it. Yeah. Do you um? Are you a person who has any kind of faith? No. Little in humanity. I acknowledge and appreciate different religions and their perspective but as an individual pretty hopeless that don't you pause. think it's like pretty insane though that if we all evolve from a single-celled life form 
you think about all the stages of reproduction that had to happen, like all the times that people reproduced for you to be alive. If any one of those didn't happen, you wouldn't be here. That just makes me feel... Doesn't that make you feel like it's a little bit of a miracle that you're here? No. <laughs> you're just like, yeah, I wish one of those uh, fuckers just had makes died. Me... <laughs> no, they... it just makes me feel bad that I didn't appreciate the fact that I ended up here. But, like, I wish someone could look inside my brain and then say, I don't. I don't, I don't want that. <laughs> Cause I get right. it. <laughs> like right. that's the thing, but you don't want this. Right. You know what I mean? Like this isn't great. Okay. It's one of those things that makes me afraid about kids. Like I could make other kids and they would be fucking hilarious. Like, let's be clear. <laughs> they would be fucking hilarious. You're just so, but sh- they would be riddled so- with problems. <laughs> Like you're so certain that your kids would have an above average sense of humor, aren't you? Yeah. Mm. Where, where do you get oh, that? Oh, that would come straight from me, Where's and it would be fucking hilarious. Because <laughs> I'm not gonna procreate with someone who's not hilarious. Like, <laughs> that's like one of the last things I. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> she's gonna be hilarious. <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> This guy is not on the market for you boring people out there. If you're woke as fuck, swipe left. <laughs> I'm not for you. Because I'm fucking crazy. Who are some of uh, your comedic influences? I, what if I just tagged this whole podcast as being like, oh, Crosby Neal, the comedian. What if I did this whole podcast as a series of times when I misrepresent what people do later and there's nothing they can do about it because they signed a form? <laughs> One, I haven't signed anything. But two, but you're, uh, but you're going to. I would really like to do stand-up comedy. I'm just terrified of doing it. So actually, you know what? I'll share one of my first jokes with you. Fuck yeah. Okay, so one of the first times I ever did an open mic, I tried to do crowd service because I didn't know like what else to do. Mm. I did one of those like, where are you from? And so, like, the first person, I was like, where are you from? And like, I was like, I don't give a fuck. Where are you <laughs> from? And I did it, and they were like, Columbine. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, so what do you do in your off time? And they were just like, oh, our whole fucking town is covered in a black cloud of a mass murder. Is that what they said? Yeah. They're witty. Like, mm-hmm. You picked the wrong motherfucker yeah, to do crowd work with. I was with. like, do you ski on the weekends? <laughs> and it was like, nope. We're always sad. And I was like, <laughs> so where are you from? I yeah. immediately just, what do you do? Hard at that pivot. Po- yeah, you had to hard pivot because that was rough. You know, I heckled Aziz Ansari. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so happy about that. I, I bopped from. Just, please keep telling. <laughs> I like Aziz Ansari. I, I do too. From, oh, Jesus. I bopped from Columbia University down to the Comedy Cellar, the Village Underground, which is part of the Comedy Cellar. Hey. Yeah, yeah, boy. And 
<laughs> it was a stacked lineup. I knew that uh, Dave Attell was going to be on, so I was like, that's Ooh, an A-lister. Shit. I love That's it. an A-lister. And I, I showed up, and uh, motherfucking, like, 13 comedians were on the bill. They just kept going. Jesus. And it was amazing, and almost all of them were great. And awesome. uh, the fourth act, I think, one of the first several was Bill Burr. So Bill Burr awesome. just comes out here and rips it. And starts sure. testing out a lot of his material. This is like freaking great. like 10 months ago. Sure. And so, you know, he's railing about all the stuff that's happening in the world. And there's a lot sure. of stuff that's happening in the world. And he's testing out his, his not so uh, politically correct material sure. on like a little room of 80 people. And I'm one of them. Sure. It's pretty fucking fantastic. Sure. Um, Rachel awesome. Feinstein was on that. Awesome. She's, she's hilarious. Um, yeah, and then David Tell did his thing for the longest time, and then, you know, as they told us, you know, make sure you're not recording on your phone, blah, blah, blah. I was. But, uh, the sure. disease on Sorry came and fucking did like 20 minutes, man. It was awesome. awesome. It was awesome. And, uh, yeah, he was talking about, I don't remember, uh, yeah, no, he was saying something about, like, uh, about tandoori chicken and garlic naan. <laughs> And okay. uh, he, and then he started saying something about his show, and I, and then like there was a moment where the applause died down, and you could tell he was actually a little bit rusty. Okay. Um, because he hadn't been doing comedy for a while because of the allegations and the thing that yeah. he did, and yeah, that was one of the cases that was very borderline. You know, I, I agree. I think it was pretty borderline. Just right. But we don't need to get into it too much because it seems like sure. every goddamn time I get on a podcast and talk about <laughs> shit like that. I have so many feelings. Right, 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 right. Let me say this. Men need to be better across the board. 100%. Uh, I know a lot of men that when I see them demonstrate themselves in, say, just like a bar aspect. Oh, yeah. Jesus Christ. Yep. You were fucking trash. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. From two sensitive guys who I think people respect women and like we do our best. What you do. We do our best. Yeah, sometimes, you know, you look at the other homeboy and you're like, Man, What the fuck are, are we you on doing? the same team here? <laughs> yeah, I know. No, no, no. I've <laughs> been we, there before. Like I've I've definitely right. uh distance distanced myself from personal relationships just based mm. on that. Like yeah. Just a few encounters where you see them interact with women and you're like Mm. Well, I can't be associated with that. Like mm. you're an asshole. Mm. Sorry. Mm. Like yeah. I can see what you're doing. Like, and sometimes you get clued off to what, <clears throat> how they talk. There's a definite like specific person I'm thinking about, but mm. then when you see them interact in real time, you're like, wow, yeah, you're. It's not just talk. You're you're this person and that yeah. sucks because I don't like that person or I don't want you around any of my friends because that's really yeah. shitty yeah. and you're an awful human. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, it's one of those things where you definitely, uh, yeah, it just sucks. Yeah. It's an, <laughs> it's, it's an it awful poisons, situation. It poisons everything when people harass anyone i'm pretty hard line when it just comes to a certain point where and that's that's something that even therapists have told me like well you need to be more you know like gray area with people mm-hmm. but when it comes to you are a pretty hard line thinker yes mm-hmm. and i that's not unnatural for me to hear 
Mm -hmm. But yeah, I'm sorry if you demonstrate yourself in a certain way. Mm. Mm. That's how you are until proven otherwise, like Mm. until you choose to do differently. Right. You know, and that to me isn't really, really important. I think that's, that's integrity. I saw a great thing on the, that basically said, never accept an apology without changed behavior. Yes. Everything that happened with Me Too um, and with the culture, or hopefully we're, we, we can do a better job. We have an, a framework now yes. for recognizing accountability with people that we like, people we look up to. Yes. Um, but changed behavior has to be at the root of it. Cause well, like, yeah, because if I you just talk about it, then right. it's nothing. And I also think that if that to just be punitive is also kind of nothing, you know, like yes. what's the point of taking away like, oh, let's say like, like Mel Gibson is an example where it's like, oh, that guy was an asshole. Okay. Now we know he's an asshole and he's just still an asshole. That's not, <laughs> that doesn't help that much. It's like, we, we, we need people to change their behavior. So that like, comes I with have, humanizing people and it comes yes. with, with whole, with making sure accountability is like, there. I have Jewish friends. I'm sorry. Like, right. When people think it's weird that I don't want to watch Mel Gibson films, I never would watch. Yeah, Mel Gibson. It's it's no, it's funny. And I'm not like a big like. Definitely I'm not like a like, big like oh like you know purity test woke cancel sure. kind of person. But I but I know. I'm like why would I? I don't need to watch a Mel Gibson movie. You know how many goddamn movies there out there are out there I could watch right now. <laughs> exactly. No, I feel the same way. Like so, like I had a friend of mine who was like, "You're really not going to watch Mel Gibson films." So I went. I don't need to. Like, I'm sorry. Like, this dude demonstrated himself as an anti-Semitic piece of shit. Why yeah. do I need to support him just because he did, like, The Passion of the Christ? Okay? Yeah, and it was a gnarly-ass movie. And then before that, he did... What was the thing where he did... Uh, it was the thing, like, he was frozen for a while. And we don't need to go know. through this guy's filmography. It doesn't dog. even it's matter. Cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was the thing. I was, I was like, I, I don't fucking care. Like when you say anti-Semitic shit and then right. your father encourages anti-Semitic shit, like you're right. a piece of shit. Like I don't need to fucking back that up. Mm. I don't care about not watching your films. It means mm. nothing to me. Like it doesn't <laughs> like, oh, yeah, I can't no, watch I didn't feel like I lost young? anything. Fuck. Like, I never I cared for care. Braveheart. Yeah. Damn it. Why am I doing his filmography now too? Let's it's talk okay. about someone we love. All right. Hey. Let's talk about people we love. Tenacious D put out a song and it's, it's so funny because I, I was in heard the dish it. pit at the sandwich shop I work at, yeah. uh, so. Chiba Hut. Nice. And nice. Yeah, dude. I, yeah, I, I worked heard Chiba Hut's a good place to work for. So honestly, like, I yeah. don't feel bad. Like, that's good. Like, that's a good business to work for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you're the death of a salesman guy <laughs> that I'm talking to. Well, uh, the, I have a lot of The solo. Illusionist 2012, Death of a Salesman, um, an incredible album about how much it sucked to work at a place where uh, no one in the band liked to work. Uh, that's basically the... Where we all rose up too high to see what was really happening. And, but this was really Sammy's album Mm -hmm. that he wrote. Like he Hmm. did, he, he really illustrated the whole experience for me, Gabe and I, Mm. he really did. Yeah. It was one of those things like, I, (sighs) you said me, Gabe and I, so you said yourself twice, twice instead of saying Evan. Oh, sorry. And Evan. <laughs> Yikes. Check uh, out the Bat Fan Addict podcast if you like Batman. Truth. Evan, Sammy, and one other dude. A. 
Sammy, Evan, Gabe, and I. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was an interesting time because, again, like Sam really captured vocally what we were going through. Right. And then a lot of it just came through the music. Like I got a couple tracks in there, but Gabe really knew how to emote through beats. Uh, he he was really good at complimenting Sam. Like he he still right. is. He's really good at complimenting and understanding Sam mm. as a as a song as a songwriter mm. as a as a creative. Mm. I'm not at mm. that level that Gabe is at. Mm. Uh, me and Sam still have differences because I have things that I want to complete as a artistic idea and so does sam Mm. they don't always line up and i think that's totally fine yeah uh it's just super unique to see how gabe and sam have always fit together like glue one of my favorite gabe and sam stories is when uh casual from hieroglyphics got back to sam and said that they would do uh, redefine the flow remix yeah. and so he got freaking i guess he yeah. texted or called gabe right away and they yeah. were just like fucking got together right away and made the beat like casual's gonna be on it we gotta make the beat yeah and that's the thing it's a fat beat well gabe's not gonna sleep that's the thing he's not right he's an obsessive character if if well it's not just that he's not gonna sleep on that like if he right. hears that i i i know in gabe he's gonna be like ding there's that thing oh I'm yes gonna do this yeah he's he gets inspired by right. that like i hope I, think, I didn't i wasn't demeaning when i said obsessive my creative energy no, no, is no, obsessive no. Like, so i project that a little bit sometimes. i am too obsessive right. and i don't think gabe would be taken back by by hearing someone call him obsessive mm. but he has a better execution over other people who are obsessive hmm. if that makes sense uh he might obsess about it but he knows how to execute it. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. Like when he's worked on other beats in the past with Sam, he gets how to detect what Sam wants, and that's very unique for a producer. Right. And if you can do that again and again, to me that's that's a wonderful creative relationship that you can continue building upon. Uh they've had their ups and downs, but Right. It doesn't matter. Like there's still something there. Like I'm super glad that I got a, got to be a part of bears repeating mm. with Issa because mm. I respect Issa as an artist and a producer. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he and I were the producers for Sammy's bears repeating. It was an amazing album. Thank you. Like, because I love that album still. Mm-hmm. And there's something about like, it was timing. Mm hmm. And I'm going to say something really... Was cool. parents just don't understand? Was that you? The very first track? I Maybe. don't think so. Okay. But uh, anyway. this is going to sound really crass. But... But Box Cutter was you. And that was the fucking flame. It was. It, it, it was. And I appreciate mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing about a lot of albums, I, I truly think, is time and place. Mm. Where Sammy was at based on what he wanted, based on where I was at, based on where Issa was at. We were able to create something that 
to me, like I was so happy to be a part of, because I, I, I was so happy to hear Sammy flow over the any beats that I did, right? Any beats that Issa did, and it had a cohesiveness to it that I was just so happy to be a part of. Truly, it did. Very cohesive project. And he's and, had lots of cohesive projects since, but right. it's one of those things that whenever Famous I last listen, words is a very cohesive project. It's a great K. cohesive project. Yeah. Dude, come on. Like KI, he yeah. knows what he's doing. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Like he knows Absolutely. what he's doing. Right in that lane. I was jealous. Like I was jealous because yeah. I went. That makes, <sighs> Sam, Sam is really good at making albums that make me want to rap. <laughs> that's good though. Yeah. Like that's, that's one of those things. Like, yeah. I, I didn't finish that's a thought a good earlier inspirational about artist. I'm a competitive person. Uh, and it's like, uh, part of I, Sam and I didn't have like the, a, a great 2019 at all. Hopefully we'll have a better 2020. Eh, it was mostly, I was really annoying a good and I had, a, I had a, I like our friendship, my friendship with him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's definitely gotten better now, sure. but, uh, but part of it is I was just, I was getting a little too manic. And mm-hmm. I was having some, I was dealing with a lot of mental health stuff. Sure. And he saw some of the, the height of that. And I've been and there. kind of freaked him out. Sure. And I understand that. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, one thing that I texted him was I really believed that like within five years, and I still believe this, that I I want to be working with Tech 9 directly. Cool. Um, so like this April, I'm going to give Tech 9 an award. I got VIP for his uh, Eugene show. Okay. So I'm going to give him an award. And that's okay. how I want to like get my, my little foot in the strange music door. Sure. And whether that means that I would be an artist on strange music or I'm, I really want to be, I'm thinking about how I really want to be like an intellectual property, like lawyer. Okay. Like a hip hop lawyer. Yeah. My point is I just want to be working need with it. that dude. Um, yeah. And you know, I just, for me, it's like, uh, I, I said something about like, I was like, uh, yeah. So like, let me know when you want a tech feature on your shit. And that was like too pie in the sky, like sure. ridiculous. And, sure. and, uh, but I, I'm the kind of person I said earlier, like I want to do Drake numbers. Like I would love to be the most famous rapper that Oregon has ever produced. Sure. Cause Oregon's never produced a very famous rapper. I agree with like that. A, a and, super duper famous rapper. And to so me, why not? I here's the thing. I completely agree with that is Mm. I don't understand why Oregon hasn't produced a major rapper. I don't, Mm. I I don't because I feel like I've seen so much talent here. It's fucking stupid. Yeah. So like anyone I've tried to collaborate with in Portland has been a bust. Mm. Uh, The one that was, like kind of okay was through a metal band where like we did a metal slash like hip hop show mm-hmm. and it was like a metal slap slash like trap show. It worked out pretty well. Nice. This dude like here local who's Micah. That's cool. Dude. Here's the thing. Like one Micah's really cool. Uh huh. <laughs> he was just like a cool dude. Like he came up to everybody in the band and was like, Hey man, thanks for being here. Like, this is so cool. I'm so glad we made this happen. And then he put on a fucking really good set. Mm. And again, if you don't like trap, yeah, you probably won't like it. Sure. If you can bob <laughs> your head to like 
160 db to like 150 db <laughs> you'll fucking dig it and it was fucking awesome he Sweet. did a great fucking job yeah and like he's still doing gigs around here in portland like mm. that's cool he's still doing gigs around here in portland mm. who's the big person to come out of portland that's something that it sounds silly but like why not shoot for that yeah and like yeah What's the worst that happens? I fail. Exactly. Fuck. Exactly. And I just know I, you know, I'm doing this podcast. I came here. You know, this morning you didn't know I was going to come here, uh, but we, you know, we just do it. I just roll up in here on a day where I'm not. I don't work at either of my jobs. I make something productive out of the day. Ooh. I got the drive and the hustle. Ooh. And we didn't even know what the fuck we were going to talk about. But it happened, and, and it happened. But I always like to ask people. We're about an hour and 20, so awesome. We're, I think we're we're good. Wrap up in about 10 minutes, sure. So, if you have any important thoughts that you want to get out there, let them mull around and then spill them. But I like to ask people, What's one way we could all be less stupid? One way to be less stupid is trust your gut. As a creative person, if you're creating something, trust your gut, don't necessarily base it off of everything that's popular because i've tried that don't try and base it off of what your peers think is necessarily popular because i've tried that right it, it sounds so cliche but you have to be you the thing that feels right do what feels right don't compromise mm. okay don't compromise You'll know when the right time is to compromise, and that's if you're working with someone that you know, wow, they have something to offer what I'm doing. It's willing to compromise. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, don't. Keep doing what you're doing. Because the best thing that I've done in my entire life is two albums I'm sitting on that are things I haven't shown but maybe two, three people. It was because I had to be brave enough to make it and stand by it still don't compromise be you well i think if anybody had tried thinking about the evolution of your music and your sound for as long as i have been aware of it which is like 2011 to now that's a long time when you say don't compromise like i think that your your music has changed and grown naturally not as a result of anybody saying hey make stuff that sounds more industrial make stuff that sounds more like freaking 808 driven mm -hmm. it's just this natural human conversation that you're in with the rest of the music world that has gotten you to a place where it's different um what have you been listening to lately leon bridges Okay. Who's so, that? so my biggest influence is uh, soul music in all its, all its capacities. So, you know, the thing I, the things I know from growing up are the, the Spinners, Supremes, uh, the Shirelles, uh, all these groups. Right. You know, and then also like Marvin Gaye. Uh, 
Curtis Mayfield. Uh, Leon Bridges to me is this wonderful culmination of honestly it's like a uh, it's hard to say but like a Marvin Gaye meets like Otis Redding he has this wonderful wonderful voice wow and it's true soul music like you hear it like uh, he has several albums but honestly the album Good Thing Okay. Listen to it from front to back. Mm-hmm. They cater to not just the soul genre, but you hear the clarity in what they want to communicate to people who like hip hop and R and B. You hear it. Like right. it's so clean. They're, the mixes are so clean. And again, it's so soul. It's inspirational. Like I, I draw, inspiration from just that album good thing mm. often because it's it's one of the only things recently that has been able to catch my attention aside from like beach house like beach house interesting beach house is one of the greatest bands i think yeah. come along in the last mm. 10 years mm. and if people don't agree like you can go fuck off <laughs> <laughs> like their tone the yes. songwriting the reverb. Well, they don't. They don't do anything more than what they're trying to convey. Right. And their stuff is so delicate and beautiful. It's it's a wonderful balance. It truly is. Nice. Yeah, uh, Beach House is one of those bands where like. A person I was with for a long time, and I thought like our song was this one song by Beach House. Yeah, ended up being the undoing uh-huh. of our relationship, uh-huh. Uh-huh. but it made sense. Right. I was like, it was uh, "I'll Take Care of You," and that's an amazing song. Mm-hmm. But it made me realize why I shouldn't be with one person, mm-hmm. and it was fascinating how I knew like it made me want to be with someone else. And uh, it's a wild ass song. Like it's it's simple and elegant in the way that it's recorded and executed. If you could take any two artists and have them do a, an album together, who would you be? I would be for me. It would be an album that was rumored that they kept saying they were gonna do it, kept saying it was even happening, and it didn't happen. I hope it happens, and that is Childish Gambino and Chance the Rapper. Those are probably, in terms of how the music that I have been making lately, it hasn't come out. Nothing's come out. But uh, I drive to the airport 20 minutes. Uh, it's a 20-minute drive from the hotel. I work at a sandwich shop in a hotel. From the hotel to the, to the airport is 20 minutes, and I do that twice. Uh, one way. So four times every shift. Yeah. It was a really terrible way to just say that I drive a lot for work. <laughs> and I, if, if there are pilots that I'm driving, then I'm not playing the music loud, and it's, a, it's the same boring-ass drive. You better believe that I'm constantly coming up with, be like, oh, how can I use this time? 
and I am coming up with rap lyrics. I'm coming up with flows and being inspired by the shit that's on the radio. And I are you like, telling me you're rapping at random people <laughs> in my head? <laughs> okay, in your head. But I've been doing that fine. my whole life out loud. I would definitely judge you. No, I'm not. But I. But okay. sometimes I. I'll have two or three like super hard bars. Okay. Like that is a great couplet. That's a great line. And but I'm driving, so I can't write them down. And so I'm. I'm like, okay. Let's say shoes on the other foot. The roses. Crosby. I'm like thinking of those three things. The repeating them in my head so that when I get off the, at the hotel sure. and I get their bags and I pass them along, I can pull sure. open the voice, voice memo and then spit those lines so I don't forget them. Okay. Um, but I've been doing a lot of chants, the rappery cadences and okay. vocalizations. Okay. And I've been doing a lot of Childish Gambino kind of laid back energy and singing. And okay. those motherfuckers need to just, I don't even care if they just crap it out. I. <laughs> That, I think that's one of the difficulties with supergroup records is that sure. there's there's a pressure on it, pressure for it to be like, okay, one great artist plus one great artist equals a doubly great project. And that's not always possible. Sure. Absolutely. Like, it depends on what you're doing. Like, if you are trying to create a track where you're trying to capture the essence of stuff that Childish Gambino does and what Chance does... I think those are two very good endeavors, though they're going to be very difficult because right. both of them have two very specific and wonderful approaches to music. Right. Charles Gambino, well, yeah, he kind of has this gambit yeah. you know, of things that he, that he wants to go for and achieve per track. Mm. Where Chance, Chance stays kind of in his lane with this uh modern gospel sure chance ish blend yeah and i don't think it's bad it's fucking Trumpets. wonderful like i like it i like mm -hmm. it yeah exactly like he adds on to what the choir can do mm -hmm. you know what i mean he 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 really makes it this mm -hmm. thing mm -hmm. and uh i think that's great like mm -hmm. that's that's you have to judge the music for what it is right. if he's going to make these Hip hop slash R and B slash soul in uh, inspired uh, tracks. I mean, there's going to be this gospel element. He's not going to be able to shake, especially if he's raised in a church. Like it's mm -hmm. that shouldn't be suppressed. That should be fucking mm -hmm. just as prominent as he wants it. I want to hear your super group though, but I thought of another one. <laughs> Can we pause? Because I have to piss. I don't want to do an edited show, man. I, I all right. Well, we're gonna. I'm gonna piss in the next few minutes. Sweet. Okay. You, you fucking. Okay. Fill the time. All right. I'm gonna piss. That's that's right, happening. I'm, I will pause. I'm not gonna just solo rant for a while. Ah. <laughs> I think we're back into doing the thing, yeah. Oh, I think we're already back yeah. into it. You're into it. You're in it now. <laughs> we could. You're fucking in it, dude. You could jump in. No, you jump in, man. Can you, Cross? Can you sit here? Yes, I can. All right. So now, wait. Let we me are live. Jump in. Okay. Here we go. All right. You just saw an abrupt jump because Cross had to take a piss right after he talked about how much he loves Beach House. I love. Beach I'm trying House. to do a fully unedited show, but sometimes you get the. 
technical difficult difficulties that come in here. Oh, bagels and then out. sometimes you live with someone named Danny, who you co-make Trash Planet with, and then you want that person to come into the podcast mid-episode. How are you doing? Right. How- doing great, thank you. Cool. So, what the hell is Trash Planet? Trash Planet is um, a little cartoon about people um, who don't have enough answers to life, and they're looking for it in a world that has even less answers. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. It seems that there are a lot of characters who um, there's what what I what I pick up in Trash Planet is social awkwardness yeah. in terms of wanting to communicate but being passive aggressive or being in a passive aggressive sort of society was that intentional um yeah definitely i think that that's kind of like a thing that uh i mean it's just i think a way that i've kind of experienced things like i've definitely been kind of raised and been around really bizarre like i was raised in like a pretty poor area and i okay. was like very poor and trying to figure out how things worked it was always kind of like externally like asking other people but then you'd always assume that somebody else has the answer Mm. but it never (laughs) seems right Mm -hmm. you know what i mean so you always i'm always under the assumption that somebody else knows more than me and i'm kind of like that doesn't seem like that's right either Mm. so it's always this 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 recalibration of trying to figure out you know how to be a person you know right yeah um and how did you link up with with Crosby, who does some of the amazing music that I think is so well suited oh, for, great. yeah, sure. the aesthetic. <laughs> Fast. Uh, Fast. No, uh, yeah, Crosby, Crosby, and I have been friends since like middle school, man. Yeah, so we go way back. Um, so a, there is like a huge contextual agreement there. Like we were both raised in the same area and we're around the same people that kind of serve as. An inspiration to the backdrop of Trash Planet, um, but also, uh, you know, uh, just like knowing each other, like knowing his music, it it was just like a good fit for uh, that purpose automatically without necessarily even having to try. I guess does that does that make sense? Sure. Cool. Yeah. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a huge compliment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, do you want to say anything about working with this guy on this shit? Don't look in the camera. <laughs> uh, no. Fourth wall shattered. Yeah. Well, no, seriously. Like, uh, I was really happy when uh, Danny brought me in about a year ago on the second episode that he had self-produced, and uh, he wanted me to be the sound person to like kind of help with like mixing and like kind of just balancing stuff, and uh, I loved it and. Uh, yeah, I'm glad to still be a part of the crew here on to like all these other episodes that we're making now. Sweet. So I heard you guys sold out recently. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what is it? How does it feel to throw all of your values and ethics into the wind for the capitalist pursuit of uh, glory? I love it. It's the best. Um, I'd rather so sell myself for something <laughs> that I like doing than sell myself out for something that I don't like. I doing. like that. Artists out there know your worth. Yeah, um, it's hard to get funding for the kind of thing that you're doing. So I mean, that, that isn't that pretty cool that tangibly someone is like, "Yes, this is valuable." Yeah, exactly. Um, it, it's definitely really cool because it's definitely like it's a new thing for me. You know what I mean? Um, I, I didn't do this as like you know, 
I come from a family of content creators. Like this is all kind of new to me. So figuring it out and trying to do this has been validating. It's also kind of been like a kind of a perfect merger of like a lot of things that I've been really interested in the in my past. Like I've spent a lot of time playing music. I spent a lot of time like you know, not necessarily like writing comedy, but kind of like being like the funny guy and appreciating other funny people. Nice. Also drawing a lot. And then like, yeah, exactly. And then drawing a ton of drawing, you know, so it's, it's been really cool and validating to have, uh, someone say like, you know, we want, we want to give you money to do this kind of thing. And it's been even more than that cool and validating to actually say, Hey, can you help me with this? And I will give you money to do so. It's nice to be able to say, Hey, can you not do it? You don't have to do it for free. I like that. That I'm into. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, gosh, I wouldn't even know. I think I'm one of the people who, when I see animation, I don't even know how it begins. Like, mm. like from the because you know the classic cartoons having been hand drawn, and you think of it as just being this frame by frame hand drawn yeah. process. But now there's so many different ways to tell animated stories. Where would like a person start who wanted to get into it? Who let's say was like a sketch artist? Oh, there's so much. I mean, like, so if you have access to it, and there, I I started by basically just buying like an iPad, and I would just draw these little characters, and there was kind of like a logical uh, 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 progression of being like, well, maybe if I can do these things, like I can tell jokes in this way, and it was just like tinkering for a really long time. Right. Um, but if you want to like learn how to use like, you know, flash, you can download earlier versions of flash and they're because of things like the, 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 the new grounds generation, mm. there are so many people that made these flash tutorials where you could teach yourself whatever you want, especially with something like flash, which has been, that's what I use. It's called a, Adobe animate now oh, cool but it's all the same things apply all they just have more things that you can now do Love so that. like i i think i looked up a guy jazza and i just found a ton of stuff but that thing that you're talking about like this idea of like i don't know where to start it feels right. that was a big thing for a long time i was like oh it'd be funny to like do comedy or do jokes right but not knowing exactly how one does that it's like it's, it can prevent you from getting started. But yeah, I mean, you have the internet now. You can do whatever you want if yeah. you look into it. Well, like, did you tell them how you got into animating in the in the first place? Because that was, like, bananas to me. Like, when you got your job at Amazon, but also got to supplement your time with learning animation. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, so, yeah. You we brought could... someone from the Bezos crowd into my podcast <laughs> without telling me. No, sorry. Yeah, so we got, um, (laughs) yeah, I got a gig where I probably shouldn't be too specific, but we we have a lot of downtime. We'll say that. And I was able to use a lot of that downtime to supplement my, this is like, okay, well, I have all this free time now and I can learn this thing on the side. So I was able to kind of teach myself this thing without having to take this huge, like, pay hit. So it was... Kind of like a little bit of a um, striking when the iron was white hot situation. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> this, buddy? Yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna do something cool, um, which is when there's so much you want to ask Danny that you don't know what to ask Danny, so you just make Crosby ask Danny something. Well, did you guys, I'll do it. Ooh, but baby. Okay, so like you know what beach house is. So here's the thing. 
those who don't know, I'm sorry for you. But Beach House is really a wonderful musical experience. I think I've totally gotten them mixed up with Surfer Blood. You know Surfer Blood? That sucks. And Surfer. it makes me hate everything you're saying <laughs> right now so much. With like People such... You laugh. Like it hurts. See, that's why I said reverb. So much. So here's the thing. Beach House is Oh, great. they didn't hear it at home because it got cut out. But I was saying, oh, Beach House. Ooh, lots of reverb. And then you're great. They're great. Don't okay. Don't don't remember anything that he said that was bad, because it'll make me sad, (laughs) and I'll get real upset. Okay. Okay, You're not asking him a question though. Here we go. Something about Trash Planet. Because this episode, I'm sorry, it's no longer an episode with Crosby. It's an episode with Trash Planet. It's a better name than Odar. It's a more provocative name than it's Odar. It's not Odar. <laughs> oh, what? It's Cross K, baby. Cross K. Just, just go by Cross. Yeah, Crossy just, Kizzle. That's that's me. <laughs> You're in it now. Open and I like it. Yeah. <laughs> but let's talk about, like, so how was it getting handed uh, an opportunity like Trash Planet? Like someone backing the project itself? Um, okay, so... Thank you, dude. I love this, like... Oh, big. Yeah. Um, it was really cool um, for all of the reasons that I mentioned before. Um, I I can't get into too many details yes. about yeah. it um, other than we are working on so more. PDAs. Yeah. Yep. Non-disclosure. Um, yep, exactly. So, which is, you know, don't... I'm not messing with that stuff. Yeah, <laughs> like, no. hey, first opportunity... And you ruined it. <laughs> Done. Um, yeah, so, but it, I mean, yeah, it's been really cool, man. It's been really cool. And it's been like, it's been fun, exciting, and equal parts uh, stressful. You know what I mean? Because sure. you're trying to do this thing and it's no longer just, I mean, in fact, it's no longer your thing at all. Somebody actually owns it. That's so true, isn't it? So you have to really work and it's, you know, it, it can be pretty vulnerable like having somebody else tell you how to do your work and so far the notes that we've got and the people we've been working with have been um trustworthy i would Mm. say um and uh it's been fine but you know it's 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 there's just a lot of new and a lot of growth within this um which i think is you know a positive a positive thing yeah right on yeah well i asked him um and i gotta ask you what's one way we can all be less stupid Yes. Yeah, so what's one way we can all be less stupid? And recap your answer because I'm hoping that it oh, stayed shit. in the file. It didn't get probably ten, not. Minutes, ten minutes or so in history. How can we be less stupid? Yeah. Oh shit, homie. Uh, <laughs> honestly, I think a lot of it comes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let me. Honestly, You're making think, this unlistenable. I think a lot of it comes down to listening. I'm sorry, like there's already my really heavy breathing. Don't listen to that. I, I, one thing I really learned in school was listening is harder than communicating. So wow, really, it's just that. Try harder to listen to messages that are being said to you, so that you can hopefully, and I, I say this to myself too. Hopefully, I'm more communicative to what's being said to me that's a terrible explanation 
I'm going to pass it off. Here we go. Um, I would say, I guess, lead with um, a degree of humility. I am pretty... I'm pretty assumptive that I am in the wrong in some capacity and that I have some way of learning. And that can be, you know, involved in like interpersonal communication with like friends, family, things like this, Um, or, you know, even strangers, but, or even just like factually, like I, there's a lot of information that I've been wrong on and just having a degree of humility of like, you know, you want to get better. You want to do these things better. And uh, being less stupid, I think, requires a degree of that kind of humility, being able to know when you're wrong and know when you're stupid or know when you're handling a situation uh, without, you know, grace or whatever that uh, if, if you dedicate a little bit of time to, you, you, you can learn from pretty quickly. Wonderful. Danny Crosby, I want to ask, are there any places that pe- you want people to find you, follow your work? For, uh, where can they find Trash Planet, etc.? I'm going to have Crosby go first because I'm going to need to look at the specific URL from the YouTube page. Okay. At Robit Boy. Uh, no, I think it's on Twitter, at Robit Danny Jr. Okay. At, on Twitter, it's at Robit Danny Jr. Uh, there you go. Out, sounds. There it is. And on YouTube, um, just search well, Trash Planet. I guess. What is it on Instagram, homie? Because I thought it was at Robit Boy. Uh, yeah, I think it is a robot boy. Well, it's then I B-O-I, just nailed it. That boy. B O I. B O I. Yeah. Okay. R-O-B-I-T. Yeah. Excellent. That, and that's what it is. Are you SoundCloud.com slash Odar Beats? You're like, yes. oh, regrettably. Yeah. It's, it's the last. It's the last thing you'll hear from Odar Beats. Everything else is gonna be cross K, baby. All right. Well, I want to apologize to the listeners, uh, not because you guys weren't fantastic, but because this is going to be the most difficult thing to mix and master later with the both mics having been passed around, and I hope that you don't hate it. He just made it harder for himself, so <laughs> I don't feel bad. Peace! All right, cool. Let's go.